to talk about what we've been studying and talk about Sazen. But first, I just want to talk a little bit about my friend Rob Schwartz, who died a couple of days ago. And uh, we, we dedicated morning service to him. His name is on the altar now. And I realized I, don't, I didn't know him that well. And we were at Kasahara together. Kasahara is the, you know what it is? Okay. And uh, he was uh, on my serving crew. But there, he was a really kind and sweet man and had a great sense of irony and a great sense of humor. And I also realized that something happens at that place when you spend chunks of three months together. I left at the end of that year, but I, I was the, what was called the head to on, and so I was in charge, one of the things I was in charge of was serving crews, and I um, also had a serving crew, and I was the head of the, a, a serving crew. I don't remember if he was there the whole year two practice periods or longer, and he may have been there longer because I left, so I don't know. Just there's some body connection that happens, some heart connection that happens. I remember when I left and uh, I wanted to leave and, and my teacher thought it was fine for me to leave, and yet, it was very painful to leave, and I was, I, I grieved it, and I remember uh, I was living in Green Gulch right afterwards, and, uh, and I was talking to the then Tonto head of practice, uh, Linda Ruth Cutts, and, and she said, you have to understand, you are those mountains, you are those trees, you are that creek, and uh, that was very helpful, because it it certainly is true. And I tell you, I am Rob Schwartz. <laughs> he is me. I know that's grammatically incorrect, but it rhymes that. <laughs> so I knew he was dying because he said so on Facebook, and, and I wrote to him, and he wrote back. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't up to visitors, and we hadn't really stayed in touch. I would see him now and again, but not for, you know, just like running into each other on the streets in Berkeley. But he wrote back a very sweet note and he called me sister and I just um, melted inside and I thought that this, that this how it feels, this is how it feels. There are a lot of people that knew him much better and knew him we were together at Asahara in 1993-94, so it's been a while. And probably uh, reading all the um, comments on Facebook, uh, there were a lot of people that he was very close to. 
So it's a little tear in the fabric of my life. He founded something called Open Circle. It was sort of a non-denominational mindfulness, open to experience of the moment kind of a thing. And it wasn't affiliated with any school. I don't know what other training he had besides Zen. So I just wanted to say something about it. And then there's Zazenshin, acupuncture, acupuncture needle, Zazen. The translation that we're using calls it the point of Zazen. We've been studying it for um, you know, a little over a month and a half. So. And it's written by Dogen, the Japanese founder of our school, Zen, that, that guy. He was born in 1200. And uh, he, he's often criticizing other uh, ways of teaching, not just in this. I've got religious essays called a fascicle, so not just in this fascicle. He has a, a habit of, of doing that. And we had just, I, there was just one, because I love them. Stinking skin bags. <laughs> That's easy sometimes. It gets kind of cranky. So he says, since ancient times, few have understood Zazen as it is. Even the heads of high-ranking monasteries in China nowadays do not know and study the meaning of Zazen. There are only a few who clearly understand it. Monasteries have schedules for Zazen, the abbots and resident monks keep the practice of Zazen as essential and encourage students to practice Zazen, but few of them seem to understand the meaning of what they are doing. Some masters have written texts titled Essentials of Zazen, a few others have written Rules for Zazen, and a few more have written This Point of Zazen. Among these tests, none of these titled essentials or whatever are worthwhile. No version of rules clarifies the practice. They are written by those who do not know Zazen as they had not received the transmission of Zazen person to person. There are a lot of passages like that. And we have uh, a, a woman in the class, a student who, she comes to morning Zazen, her name is Paula, and she lives in Florida. So coming to things like this lecture, or coming to the class, which doesn't start until after seven, that's difficult for her. So she she um, listens to the recordings online. So I'm particularly glad that uh, Kate reminded us about about recording because I told Paula that I would be talking about her question today, and I told people in the class that I would be talking about it, and that it seems to me something that we need to be able to respond to. And it's a question. I'll go get the question, but it's it's a question that that I think people often have. Most of us have had it at one point or another. Like, what, you know, what, what am I doing? Am I doing this? Is this, is this useful? Am I, doing, am I doing it right? As soon as you ask, am I doing it right? You're wrong. <laughs> That's how we are. You know, we're afraid we'll make a mistake. I mean, it's often people don't say, am I doing it right? So much as I'm afraid of making a mistake. Or, oh, and then they apologize because somebody said, um, you know, to uh, turn to your right when you bow away from your cushion. No. 
book to do? Just turn to the right. It isn't, you know, it isn't, it isn't um, blot on your character. That's how Americans respond to this kind of feedback so often, and we just we just beat ourselves up all the time. And and in a sense, we are asking, "Am I doing it right?" Or maybe it's inside because she's not in a position to ask at the time. How can I be sure I am practicing correctly? How can I be sure I have received the Buddha ancestor Zazen if all these luminaries of the past have not penetrated it? I feel the doubt and it shakes me to my bones. There are so many instructions of how to do Zazen that it rattles my confidence. How am I to proceed with faith? Is doing my best enough to get it underlined? When my butt hits the cushion, am I wasting my time? Oh, there's so much to say and nothing to say. And part of you know, I just want to give her a big hug and say, "It's okay. Just settle down. Don't don't uh, don't get." This is interesting. Mel used to say. My teacher used to say. No, don't get caught by the words, because we, we, we can sometimes get caught in a sort of quibble about a particular word. Um, so I'm going to say, you know, don't get caught by Dogen, because he's always criticizing everybody else. Nobody gets it but Dogen and his master, Rujing, and his disciples, I guess. And others, the others talked about their own school similarly. I mean, the Rinzai, uh, which is the school that does koans and, and is where we say, we're Soto, and we, we say about the Rinzai people that they're into striving. And they say that we are quietistic, so that we don't have energy, that we sort of like, we boast that we're the dumb farmer school. So I said, Paula, just, we're just the dumb farmer school, so just sit down, you're quiet, pay attention, see what happens. Mel also used to say about Zazen, he'd say, like it, don't like it, doesn't matter, damn, just do it. So you're not wasting your time. But this, this the, the, the fear here, the, the concern that's palpable, and that I think we all share various times and varying degrees, is, is difficult. It's uh, hard to know, and I think the only way you know is to do it. You, know, you do, you do zazen, you do what we call shikantasa, just sitting, just paying attention, sitting up straight, just noticing where your chin is, you know, not falling asleep, noticing if you're leaning to the right or the left. Noticing if you got on the train of thought and then you're already off of it, so you don't have to do anything, just come back to your breath and your body. But that's the effort. And the effort is not to get something. 
And she says, how am I to proceed with faith? I think you can't proceed with anything else. I don't think, I think you have to have, you have to have enough trust in yourself and in the practice and in the uh, community and in your teachers to do this thing, to let it work on you and in you. And that's, that's how you find out, is that you, you let it, you say yes. You might say, all right. <laughs> or you might say, yeah, it doesn't matter. However you say yes, you say yes, and you do it. And it does work in you. It ferments in you, bubbles around, does whatever. And as you do it, and you maybe sit through something that's difficult and you still sit still, or you take the big step of sitting all day and you survive, it increases your faith. It increases your self-confidence. Oh, I can do this, which of course you can't. Because you don't do it, as Suzuki Roshi said. She told him that she she went to see him in, in what's called Doksan in a private interview during a retreat of some sort, and, and she said, I think I'm, I'm really beginning to get this zazen. And he said, don't you ever think you do zazen. Zazen does zazen. <laughs> he crept out of the room. But just think, you know, that happened in the... 60s, I guess. He died in 71, so, so it happened in the late 60s. And here I am, 50 years later, telling that story because it's a powerful story. And she told it, you know, every so often. So just let, the, the difficult thing maybe is letting Zazen do Zazen. Shikantaza means just sitting or simply sitting. It means not having a mantra, not having a visualization, not closing your eyes, not dozing off into the sort of bliss realm. It means sitting right here, making the effort to sit up straight and to let go of thoughts, to be willing to be present for whatever comes up. Not to grasp it, not to think about it, just let it be. Let thoughts be thoughts. And it's like, I think maybe these, these questions and worries partly come up because the instruction is so simple. It's so bare bones. What do I do? What do I have to do to, to, uh, to get it? And as uh, Kate has said many times, so I'm not, I'm not um, invading your privacy, but that she came Kate is on the line there. She happens to be in Port Townsend, Washington, right this minute. Anyway, and Kate says you know, she came, and you can correct me if I get this wrong. She came and she thought that she'd come here for a few months and then she'd just sort of have an enlightenment and sort of float above everything and all would be just fine. Wouldn't it be pretty to think so? Is that close enough? That's close enough, yeah. 
So part of it is letting go of letting go of that, or, and letting go. We want. I think maybe this is particularly American. I'm not sure, but at any rate, you know, we want somebody to tell me what to do, and then I'll do it. Show me how. I can show you how, but you have to really find out how for yourself. You have to do it, and then you find out. And there are fruits of practice, but you cannot. You can't practice in order to get them. You just have to practice and see what happens. And then sometimes you look back at some experience and you say, "Oh, that was a fruit of practice. I did not. I wasn't so reactive as I was two years ago." So I would also say to Paula, you know, don't. I think I said, don't get caught by Dogen. You know, don't get caught by all this sort of cranky language. There weren't very many teachers that he respected. This one that he was uh, pointing at, there was one Hong Zhur that that he did think highly of, and his he said that his teacher, of whom Dogen thought very highly, Ru Jing said he called Hong Zhur um, that that old Buddha, and he not, didn't call anybody else that old Buddha. So that tells you something. So the only way you waste your time when your butt hits the, hits the cushion is if you indulge yourself, I guess. You know, if you wallow in self-pity rather than feeling whatever the pain is that gave rise to it and any sorrow or whatever and letting it go. If you refuse to let it go, then it's not useful whether it's wasting your time, I'm not sure, maybe, you know, at some point, if you actually keep watching, watching yourself do it and noticing how it feels in your body when you wallow in self-pity, as we do, if you stay with it, what is this, what does it feel like? And it feels pretty yucky after a while, and then maybe you finally get tired of it, and you let it, you know, it, it sort of dissipates on its own, you, you let it go. So I guess that's not wasting your time, but, um, but there is an effort that we do make, I think, I don't think, that I know, to be with such things and to let them go. Things arise, abide, and pass away, but you have to let it pass away. And sometimes we waste time, so I hope you do. Um, so there's a uh, there's another fascicle where uh, Dogen says, uh, "Who would take this was in 1200 years? Who would take wasteful delight in the spark from a flintstone?" And you know, I, I read that. I remember reading that. And I would. <laughs> you know, and then in a you know in a Dharma question and answer one time somebody. Uh, and Tassahara brought that up to uh, to Mel, to so Sojin is my Dharma teacher's formal name, Sojin Roshi, but at any rate, they brought it up and they said, do you think Dogen ever took wasteful delight in the spark from a Flintstone? And Mel said, yes. <laughs> so was that wasting time, I guess. But, you know, there has to be some pause and some recreation and some lightness. And is doing my best enough? Yes, it's plenty. 
And the tone of that is is pushing and grasping and too too hard. Yes, we should all practice wholeheartedly. We should all do our best moment after moment. (laughs) But sometimes we fail. And it has to be okay to fail. It has to be okay to get on the train of thought or, you know, plan dinner or we we live in an old argument and we oh, that's what I took us in. <laughs> it has to be okay to do that because we're human and, and one of the things we're after is completely and utterly accepting that we're human. That's not my complete self. It's not my real self when I'm snarky and petty and whatever. And it's part of who I am, and I'm sorry. I am sorry, but I'm not going to beat myself up over it. That's not, that's what's not useful. That's what's wasting your time. And that's one of the things we practice with. We, uh, we notice how we're beating ourselves up. And we notice, and we notice, and we notice. And we criticize, we criticize ourselves for being self-critical. And, and just keep noticing it. It feels really lousy. Nobody likes to be talked to like that, not even you. She says, you know, how, how am I supposed to be sure I've received the ancestor's asana if all these luminaries have not penetrated it? I don't know those luminaries of the 12, before the 1200s. I guess Dogen was talking about those who came before him, or maybe his contemporaries. But I don't know if they penetrated it or not. I do know that his instructions and his teachings and his followers' teachings work for me. And the only way to find out if they work for you is to try it on and to do it. And you have to do it for a while. It's often really pleasant the first few months, and then you begin to see, notice your mind and how your people sometimes come and say, oh, I didn't know what a jerk I was. Oh, this is terrible. I didn't, I'm just a terrible person. They're not. You're just another <laughs> jerk. But you don't usually pay attention the same way. So you start paying attention, and then you, you see that you feel the impulse to gossip, and you sometimes give into it, and you watch yourself do that. And it's not pleasant. And then you have to let go of that too, or it's it's much better if you do. You'll be happier. But at any rate, uh, that's how Dogen talks. Hold on. Those people don't know what they're talking about. I, and Angjer knows, and Rouge knows, and that's about it. It's so fun that you probably like Chow Chow. Anyhow, please don't worry. Just sit down. Get quiet. Sit up straight and pay attention. That's all. And I know that's easy to say. That's not easy to do. So isn't that hard enough? Isn't that enough? I think so. Look, it's plenty big enough challenge. Just see what happens. So I uh, I challenge the people in the class to, to think about how they would respond. So please 
Please speak up. Zach and Liam. Well, to me, Zazen is kind of like pizza. <laughs> Even lousy pizza is good. racing around or you're hung up on something but you're still sitting up straight and you're still breathing following your breath but your brain isn't necessarily um, in sync when the bell rings I think it still was a beneficial there's a bad word to use um, <laughs> Oh, there's no way to talk about it. it, it, it uh, I'm still glad that I sat that period of Zazen, even though it wasn't in my top ten. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he's judging or commenting on uh, error. Or <laughs> One of the, the many sayings is that you know, every time I open my mouth, I make a mistake. <laughs> because you're always picking and choosing once you open your mouth. Liam? Well, I, I like the pizza example, but uh, I was thinking of uh, sometimes if we have like a regular once a day, once in the morning sitting over a period of time, you can get kind of acclimatized to that and you start to not notice, is this really, is this really doing anything? But then you might go on vacation for a week and a half and not sit and you come back. It's kind of like when it gets broken up, sometimes it's easier to appreciate or uh, Last uh, winter and fall, I was able to sit twice a day at in the evening, and pretty early on, I really noticed the difference. And you really see, yeah, <laughs> this is. Uh, and I can honestly say that uh, this is by far the most valuable thing I've done in my life as regular sitting. So I, I can I can uh, <laughs> highly recommend it on my yeah. experience. But yeah, you just have to do it. Hey. I second that, what Liam said, and Zach. And I have been thinking about these questions, and I thought, well, I've had every single one of those questions myself. And it's kind of a relief. I don't worry about it so much anymore. And I make an effort to do my best, and sometimes my best just isn't that good <laughs> but that's okay there's some kind of relief in not always having to be the best and what does that mean anyway whose definition of best and um what's there to attain i think a lot too uh, uh, about a mentor of mine an artist who tells people I can teach you color theory, and I can teach you how to draw, and I can teach you the lineage, but I can't teach you how to be an artist. I can't tell you how to be an artist, and I think it's true. Like you said, I don't think I was quite that naive when I showed up, like three months. Maybe I thought it'd take a year. <laughs> but uh, 
um, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, there was something that happened that kept me coming back, and it wasn't all of this chatter. I had a lot of arguments and questions, like, what's the point of this, and isn't if, if there's nothing to attain, what's the point, la, la, la. But some other part of me just kept showing up. And I'm not even sure why I listened to that part, <laughs> but I'm glad I did. And it's been the most valuable practice that I've done in my lifetime as well. And that harsh, critical voice was just one of many. I, the other thought I had as you were talking is once I sat down on the cushion, I think every major and minor trauma was triggered <laughs> I had and and I had to kind of sit through all of that and what was lovely is no nobody was telling me well you've got to do it this way you just said sit down and when I went to Sashin with Steve Stuckey and all I could do was sit there and weep because I'd had a lot of loss he didn't expect that I'd be anything else. He just said, well, it sounds like you have a lot to be sad about. So not having an answer has been a very good thing. Anybody else? Steve? I'm trying to remember what I, I did think about this, and I'm trying to remember what, what I thought about it, um, but I you know, sort of trust that something comes out that's um, right. I think of Germany Cricket sometimes when it's all about doing the right thing, you know, always let your conscience be your guide. <laughs> I feel like that's actually, it was, it was probably fine when I was six years old, but I think it's pretty toxic now to um, imagine that there's some conscience inside that knows the right thing that I have to listen to, and if I don't listen to you, I'm a bad person. And, uh, <laughs> Maybe there's something in, in, in the West about trying to be right with something more powerful than ourselves. Because I know that um, when, when I'm being critical of myself, I'm usually being critical about other people. Um, like, um, like Mary comes in and does something, sorry, you never make mistakes, but you make a mistake. <laughs> and I think, well, she should know better. She's a teacher. It's not like somebody told me to do it. It's not like I'm trying to do right by Mary because I criticize her too. So mm -hmm. what is that in my mind? Uh, so, so it is pretty deep. And just um, the, the, uh, the body experience that comes to my mind is um, if I can breathe without trying to breathe in and trying to breathe out, well, I don't know if that's the right thing, but it sure feels a lot better. Mm -hmm. yeah. Dana? So for me, all of her questions are questions I have all the time. <laughs> all the time. They're, they're, there's like a renewable source of endless questions that come <laughs> up for me with this practice. And I would say when I first started to practice, I had such a hard time with making mistakes 
been in the Rosalie's forms, and I still don't get them at all. I, they don't sink in so much. Some things do. But I, I had to look at my own conditioning around making mistakes. This is what I do for a living and the way I was raised and everything around that. And it has been great to practice with making mistakes here in the safety notes, okay? And to have it watch you guys let go of my mistakes and that helped me let go of my mistakes. And that has been <laughs> deep, just deeply healing for me. Just that, you know? <laughs> and then noticing, you know, I practiced pretty heavily, deeply involved, and I got pretty sick and had a break, and trying, trying to come back again to the myth to sitting in a different kind of body every day, and having to be more in my body, and, and then realizing the difference of Sangha and not Sangha, and how the song makes you can't really, I couldn't really have a practice that felt as nourishing or real to me without y'all. So I don't know, that piece hasn't come up for others, but I would say for me, uh, important for me. I'm grateful for that. And I'm happy to have all these questions that all the time. I still have them every time. But uh, anyway, that's what I have to say. So you feel free to ask anything if you have a question. Um, I think what it's um, for me right now and that gives me the most is just a little tranquility. Um, there's so much going on in the world and my brain gets very busy. And so uh, I think, at least for now, that's the greatest gift is just the quiet. Yeah, this, this, this fellow, yes. you know, or like Kate said, you know, old ancient tangle mm-hmm. stuff comes up. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are times of peacefulness. Kelly, do you want to say something? Or? Oh, I can. <laughs> Sorry, my but there's a little shot. Um, I, you know, I just, I, uh, what Dana was talking about with, with mistakes, which I'm always, you know, worried that I'm, I'm going to make like big mistakes. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, it's, it's, I seem to be okay at letting go of, um, succeeding at Zazen. <laughs> But I'm really bad at letting go of the idea that I'm failing at Sazen. Hmm. And nodding. I'm sorry, may I say it again? Dana is nodding. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, there there are really nice moments where I think that the failures are as much the point. And, you know, if, if there are failures, if I'm, if a form is slipping or if I'm uh, doing the, the wrong, you know, f- physical movement or something, that, that that is actually part of it. And when I, when I can kind of embrace that, um, 
it just feels better for me. So that, that's it. Feelings are marvelous. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Religions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. <laughs>